just want to say hello to everybody. <laughs> I hope you guys all had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, Pastor Tim, Pastor Kelly are uh, celebrating Thanksgiving the entire week with their son and daughter-in-law and their brand new baby granddaughter in Idaho. Yes, little... Congratulations. Yes, little Miss Maya Noel was born a few weeks ago. So they got to meet their granddaughter and celebrate Thanksgiving together. And they'll be back with us next week. And so it's my privilege to be with you all here today. I'm excited to share what God has put on my heart with you. And um, just while I was uh, praying and preparing for today, I felt like God um, was saying something specific. He reminded, he reminded me of something. And I think that it's a good reminder for all of us. Um, and while I was just preparing and um, even preparing for worship and everything, um, I heard God reminding me that today, this day, he wants to do something new. And I think that, I know for me at least, I don't know about you, it can be easy to get caught up in the daily tasks that we have to get done and just all the things that go on in our lives. And especially during this holiday season where it's like, whether it's the cooking or the shopping or the gathering with friends and family and going to awesome Christmas table parties or <laughs> whatever it is, um, we can just get kind of caught up and even kind of fall into the routine of carrying out traditions that we always do, those kind of things. But I think that it's important, even in the midst of some really great traditions and some fun things that we have going on during this season, I think it's important that we remember to not, to not get caught up in the routine of it all. Because God has something new for us today. He wants to reveal something to you that's new, that you've never captured before about who he is, about his love for you, about who you are in Christ. There is something new that he wants to do. Amen. And so today I want us to be expectant. I don't want us to just feel like, hey, this is just another Sunday. I drove to church. Here I am. Um, let's see what the pastor has to say. <laughs> uh, this isn't just another Sunday that you're going to come and you're going to leave the same. I believe that God is going to speak something today that can change who you are forever. <laughs> because every day, God has something new that he wants to speak to you. So let's be expectant today for what God wants to do. Amen. So as we start today, can you just say, God, I'm expectant. Say one more time, God, I'm expectant. And Lord Jesus, as we begin today, I pray, Lord God, that you would open up our hearts, our minds, our ears, Lord God, to hear from you. We are expectant that you are going to do something new in us today, Lord Jesus. Whether this is our first time at church and we're only here because somebody dragged us here this morning, or whether we have never missed a Sunday in our lives, Lord God, we know that even then, Lord Jesus, you have something new for us. And Lord God, I know that my words alone cannot do anything to affect the lives and the hearts of the people that are listening today, Lord Jesus. But I pray that you would speak through me and that your Holy Spirit would touch people today, Lord God. 
and that they would be forever changed, forever marked by the things that you do in their lives today. And we thank you, God, for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So today, we are continuing on in a series that Pastor Tim began last week, and it's called Hold Fast. And uh, Pastor Tim started this conversation about our faith in God. And hold fast is based on the scripture, Hebrews 10.23. And if you were here last week, Pastor Tim showed us this model, this diagram um, that this verse kind of lays out for us. So let's look at the verse first. The verse says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And in this short little verse alone, there are five important and connected ideas about our faith. So what Pastor Tim was talking about last week is that first this verse tells us that we are to hold on unswervingly. And in some Bible versions and translations, it says that we are to hold fast. That we are supposed to hold on without wavering or faltering. And then the second thing is, what are we supposed to hold on to? We're supposed to hold on to the hope. And we are also supposed to profess that hope that we have. And then in this verse, there's a short little word, the word for. And this is an important word, this small word, because it reminds us and it shows us why we are supposed to hold unswervingly to this hope that we profess. And so why we're supposed to hold on is, number four, because our God makes promises to us. And finally, our God is a faithful God. And so Pastor Tim showed us this model, if I think we have it up on the screen, um, hopefully. Yes, there we go. Awesome. So uh, Pastor Tim showed us this model that demonstrates the specific direction of these connected ideas in the verse and how they flow together. And so starting with number one, we know that we have a faithful God. And number two, we know that our faithful God makes promises. And those promises ignite a hope within us. And this hope we are supposed to share We're supposed to profess it. And finally, we are supposed to hold on to this hope that we have. And last week, Pastor Tim specifically started talking about the first part of this model, that we have a faithful God and that our faith is based upon the faithfulness of God. And we can be faithful because we know that he is faithful. Above everything else, we know that he is a faithful God. However, there are some people who mistakenly believe that, yeah, we, we have a faithful God, that like he created the world, he gave us life here on this earth, but he doesn't have anything to say about what's going on right now. They think that 
he's just kind of left us here and he doesn't really care about what's taking place right now and how we are to live and how we're to relate to one another. He's not really present in the moment with us right now. But that is not what the Bible says to us. And so today we're going to dig in to the word and look at the fact that our faithful God is not silent. He has made promises to us that we get to hold on to unswervingly. And the Bible explains how important these promises are to our faith. In 2 Peter 1.4, it says this, It says, and because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. The promises that God makes to us aren't some simple and empty promise. These promises enable us to come to faith and to leave behind our human desires and to share in God's nature. The promises of God are what we need in order to live a godly life and to have faith. In fact, this second part of this model of the circle of faith that says that our God is the one who makes promises, it is so vital to our faith because the truth is that where there is no promise, there is no hope. If God didn't make promises to us, we wouldn't have anything to hope for. In order to have faith, we have to have something to believe in, something to hope for. And it's the promises of God in which we put our trust, in which we put our faith. It's the promises of God that we believe in. And so because these promises of God are so important to our faith, today we're going to look at four important and powerful truths about God's promises. The first one is that God's promises tell us who he is. There are lots of different ways that we can learn about God. We can learn about God just like by seeing his beautiful creation and all of the things that he's created for us to enjoy. We can learn more about God by the diversity of the people that he's created. And we can learn about God a lot by reading our Bible, by opening up the word of God. And we can see who God is. And in the Bible, we know that we can learn some facts about God for sure. Like, for example, the Bible tells us where Jesus was born and tells us about the things that he did when he was on earth and and all of those facts that we can learn. But it is the promises that tell us important things about what God is like. We get to know God on more of a personal level when we look at his promises. 
So if you want to get to know God better, you need to study the promises that he's made to you. So let's take a look at just a couple of these promises. The word is full of promises that God has made. But let's look at a couple of these and see what we can learn about who God is from these promises. One promise is written in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. And it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. This short verse is packed with a huge promise that if we confess our sins, God will forgive us and he will cleanse us from all of the things that we have done wrong. This is a huge promise. And it shows us something about who God is, right? It shows us that God is faithful and that he is just and that he is the one who will forgive us and he is the one who will purify us. And it's when we confess our sins that we receive the fulfillment of this promise and that who God is, is revealed to us even more on a deeper level. If it wasn't for the promise, we wouldn't know some of these aspects about who God is. It's the promise that he makes to us that tells us who he is. Another promise we see is in Matthew 11. And it says, then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. God is promising us here that when we come to him, that he will give us rest. And that when we lay our burdens down, that he will carry those with us. And that he will be with us. And that this promise really shows us who God is. There are some people who, who think of God as this like big old man that sits on the throne and is like casting judgment on everyone, right? But this promise shows us the gentle side of who God is, that he says, come to me when you are weary and I will give you rest. I'm not sitting here judging you because you have all these burdens piled up on your shoulders and you can't take it anymore. I want to give you rest. I want to give you that peace. And it says that God is gentle and he is humble. He is not looking down on you for the things that you're going through. He says that he is gentle. And so we learn these things by looking at the promises of God. We know these things because of the things that he has promised to us. So the, th the second thing that's true about God's promises is that God's promises reveal the future. 
because we have a faithful God, this God that Pastor Tim was speaking about last week, we have a faithful God. Because of that, we know that when he promises something, it's going to happen. So his promises will always reveal to us something that is going to take place in the future. It is something that he will do when he promises it. This isn't like the promise that my husband sometimes makes to me when, like, the trash is piling up. And he's like, yeah, I promise I'll take out the trash in the morning. Don't worry about it. And I'm like, all right. And then he forgets and he doesn't take it out. <laughs> right? We, we as humans, we know about these promises that we say and we don't always keep. But our God is a God who is faithful and he always keeps his promises. So when we read these promises that he has written to us in his word, we know that it does reveal something to us about our future. Because when he says he will do it, it's going to happen. Sometimes it's not in the timing in which we think might be best. <laughs> it's not in the timing that we would want. But God's timing is always perfect. The Bible tells us that the Lord isn't slow in keeping his promise. But he is patient with us for our sake. So even when we think, God, I think that you should like fulfill this promise right now. This is when I need it right now. His timing is always best. And at just the right time, he will fulfill the promise that he has spoken to you. When God makes promises, he is saying to us, you can be sure that these are the things that I am going to do. And because I've promised you these things, you don't have to be concerned or worried. So let's look at a few other promises that God has made and we'll see what things that are promised about our future in these promises. And as I read these, if you notice the word will, will is what will show you what the promise is that God is going to do, that he will do. For example, in John 3, 16, it says that God, for God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. This promise reveals that our futures are secure with God. That when we put our trust in him, when we believe in him, our future is secure. Even when our bodies fade away and pass away, we know that we have an eternity with God. He says, you will not perish. It's a promise that we have. In Isaiah 40, 31, it says, but those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. This is the promise that we have from God, that when we trust in him, we will not grow weary. He will renew our strength. 
in Matthew 7, 7, it says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. This promise is that for our future, we know that God is going to answer our prayers. And that when we are persistent in knocking, we aren't going to find that the door is locked, but the door will be opened for us. God made these promises to us to reveal something to us about what our future holds. That he will be there. That he will answer our prayers that when we trust in him, we will not grow weary. Because our God is faithful to keep his promises to us, we can be sure of what our future holds. Number three, the truth about God's promise is that God's promises fuel our hope. Hope is is central to our faith. Scripture says that faith is confidence in what we hope for. Hope is our is what our faith is based in. And what fuels our hope? It's the promises of God. The promises of a faithful God is what fuels our hope. It's like what we said earlier, when there is no promise, there is no hope. If God didn't make these promises to us, we wouldn't have something to hope for. The promises of God are what ignites the hope within us. It's like this circle of faith that we were looking at. We have a faithful God who makes promises to us and those promises ignite hope within us. So we are to hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess because he who promised is faithful. There are several people in the Bible who are talked about having this kind of faith because of the hope that was alive inside them. And one of these people was Abraham. Abraham had received an incredible promise from God. God had promised Abraham that he would be the father of many nations. But the crazy thing about this promise is that at the time, Abraham was an old man. And his wife, Sarah, was an old woman, far past the time when most people are at the age of being able to have children. And when God made this promise that Abraham would be the father of many nations, at that point, he didn't have any children. And so God made this promise. And Abraham knew that God was a faithful God. And so he believed in this promise, even though it seemed crazy. Like, God, how are you going to make this happen? Because my wife is old. (laughs) I just had a baby this year, and uh, I don't want to think about having a baby when I'm like 80 years old. That's not going to happen. That's not going to work out well for me, I don't think. But God made the promise, and Abraham had a hope 
in the promise that God made. And in Romans, it tells us the story of Abraham's faith. It says, against all hope, Abraham, in hope, believed and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he promised. Being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. And I love this, that it says that he faced the fact that he was old. He knew my body is old and my wife is also very old. He knew the facts, but he did not waver in his faith in believing that God could do what he promised. That is so incredible. Even for us to think about the promises that God has made, because we, we know the facts about what is going on in our lives. We know the things that we are facing, whether it's a bill that we have that we can't pay or whether it's a diagnosis that our doctor has given us. We know the facts. But that we would not waver in the promise that God has given us, that he is going to be faithful to provide for us, that he is our healer. We don't have to waver because God has made the promises that fuel our hope. Even face to face with the facts of what's going on in our life, we can have hope because of the promises of God. Hope came alive inside of Abraham because he understood that God was faithful and the promises that God made were for him. And the same thing is true for us. Hope can be ignited within you when you understand that God's promises are for you. These promises in the Bible aren't just words that are helpful for some people. These words are true and life-changing for you. Promises like John 3, 16, that say that God loved us so much that he gave his son so that if we believe in him, we will have eternal life. This isn't just some words that you might like see embroidered on a pillow, right? Like, oh yeah, that's, that's nice. Thanks for that, God. No, this is a promise that can change our life, that we can have hope in because God has promised that no matter what we go through in this world, we have a hope for an eternity with him. 
The promise of God is what ignites this hope within us. Or in Matthew, when Jesus says, be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He isn't just saying something to make feel make people feel better about themselves. He's not just saying it so that they'll be comfortable. No, he is making a promise so that they can have hope that no matter what they face, God is going to be with them and he's never going to leave them. And these promises are true for you. Romans 15, 13 says this, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. How do we overflow with this hope? We trust in the promises that God has made for us. He is a faithful God. And this verse says that he is the God of hope. And this hope is ignited within us by the power of the Holy Spirit. Can you guys remember a time in your life where you have gone from being hopeless to being hopeful in Jesus? If you can think of a time, these moments are always based in a promise of God. They can always be traced back to a moment when God has made a promise to you that has filled us with hope, filled you with hope. I know in my life, I've had several moments like this. And like most of us have throughout my life, I've gone through different seasons of really hard times. And one of the hardest seasons of my life was when I was in high school. And um, over time and for a lot of different reasons that I eventually unpacked with a therapist, (laughs) I developed into a perfectionist when I was in high school. And I was around uh, 15 years old, and I had become obsessed with trying to be perfect in different areas of my life. I remember being in school And I was obsessed with having the perfect grades. If I did not have a 4.0, I was breaking down, literal tears, bawling, like throwing a fit. Like I was obsessed. I thought that I had to be perfect. And the same thing was the way that I looked. I tried everything that I could to try to look the perfect way. And by the time I was 15, I had developed a terrible, serious eating disorder. And I was working out for hours a day on top of school and all of my studies that I was trying to do to get all of those A's. I was wearing myself down because I thought that I had to be perfect. And that caused me to nearly lose everything. And I hit rock bottom. And 
I came to a point where I was literally one doctor's decision away from being taken out of my home and put into a rehabilitation facility so that I could heal my body and heal my mind. And I was hopeless. I remember sitting at the edge of my parents' bed and just crying and saying, how did I get here? I don't know how this is ever going to get better for me. I am hopeless because I was so stuck in my mind thinking, oh, no, you can't eat that. Oh, no, you got to you gotta work out more. And, oh, no, you, but you really got to study because you can't let those grades slip. I was so caught, and I couldn't get my mind wrapped around any other ideas, and I was hopeless. But I am standing here today. <laughs> Because I found hope in the promises of God. And things for me didn't turn around immediately. I don't have one of those stories that I was just healed in an instant. That would be really awesome. But God had a different plan for my life. And slowly, I realized the promises that God had made for me that released me and healed me and freed me from these things that I was trapped in. These promises, like it says in Ephesians, for by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. I had to realize that there was nothing that I could do to be saved or to earn God's love. And that he was never expecting me to be perfect. It is by his grace. It is because of who he is, not because of what I can do. And promises that say, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. And so when Paul was writing this promise, he said, Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I had to trust in the promise that God was going to give me the strength that I needed. And that it was okay that I didn't have it all together because his grace was sufficient for me. It was okay that I was weak. In fact, I could boast in my weakness so that the power of God would work through me and in me. And over time, as I realized that these promises were made for me, and I began to trust in the promise that God had gave given me, I began to overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Even when some doctors and therapists told me that I would never be completely healed from the disorders and the anxiety that I had faced, I trusted in the promises of God that said that I would be healed. The promise that says, don't be afraid, for I am with you. 
Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. And I stand here today declaring that God has truly given me the victory over those things. Because I trusted in the promise of God and his promises ignited a hope inside me that literally saved my life. And finally, the fourth truth about God's promise is that God's promises are fulfilled in Jesus. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20, for all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. It's in Jesus that all the promises are fulfilled. It's Jesus himself who is our hope. Everything that we have ever hoped for, whether it was for salvation, for healing, for freedom, for joy, for purpose, for relationship, all of these things are found in Jesus. Jesus is our faithful God. And his promises are good because he himself will fulfill them. And that's why during this time of the year, we celebrate that Jesus came to earth. He is the hope of the world and the one who fulfills all the promises. So today, as we are stepping into the Christmas season on Thanksgiving weekend, (laughs) we are also beginning the season of Advent. Every year during the weeks that lead up to Christmas, we as a church light these Advent candles that you see behind me as a way to remember the true and powerful meaning of Christmas. In Latin, the word Advent means arrival. So what we're doing when we light these candles is that we are remembering and celebrating the arrival of Jesus. We celebrate when Jesus first arrived as a baby who was born 2,000 years ago. When he came to earth, he lived and died as a man for our salvation and then rose again in victory. We also anticipate the final arrival of when Jesus will come back again as our king. And finally, we live in a hope-filled expectation that no matter how dark or challenging our circumstances are today, Jesus will arrive in our hearts when we call out to him. Advent is the countdown to Christmas It is the joy-filled celebration and hope-filled anticipation of all that Jesus brings to our lives. And in different traditions, there are various meanings to the different Advent candles. And in our setting, these candles all represent different aspects of Jesus as we celebrate his arrival 
And today, I'd like to invite my husband, Jesse, to join me as we light the first candle. And this first candle is the candle of hope. So thousands of years ago, the Israelites were hoping for a savior, their Messiah. God had promised a Messiah to them, and they believed it. They didn't know when he would come or who he would be, but they were waiting. The promise given long before Jesus was born was, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. The Israelites waited for the fulfillment of that promise for hundreds of years. They went through times of real hardship and struggle as they waited. But at just the right time, God fulfilled his promise when Jesus was born to Mary. The hope of the Israelites came in the form of a baby born in a manger. This baby was the hope not only for the Israelites, but for the whole world for all time. We still live in the hope of we still live in the promise of Jesus. We can live with the certainty and the confident expectation that Christ not only came to this world as a baby so long ago, but he will return and everything that God has promised will come true. We have a great hope in Jesus. We are to hold unswervingly to this hope that we have in Jesus. Our faith is built upon the promises of a faithful God. These promises reveal to us who God is, and they reveal things about the future that God has for us. These promises ignite hope within us, and Jesus is the one who is the fulfillment of these promises. So as we go about our Christmas season, Let's remember that we can have hope in Jesus no matter what we're facing because he who promised is faithful. Amen? Amen, amen. Hallelujah. Would you stand as we close today? I'd like to close us in prayer. And if I can have uh, our prayer team come forward. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the promises that you have spoken to us. The countless promises in your word, as some of them that we've read today, Lord God, have reminded us, Jesus, that when we put our trust in you, Lord God, that we will not fail, Lord God, because you will uphold us, Lord Jesus. You will give us strength, God. We thank you, Jesus, for the promise that you are our healer, you are our provider, you are the one who forgives us, who cleanses us, who redeems us, Lord Jesus. We thank you, God, that you are always with us. And so just as we prayed at the beginning of this service today, that, Lord God, we are expectant for what you want to do today, Jesus. I pray as we take just a moment, Lord God, that you would remind us of the promise 
that you have spoken for us today. We thank you, Jesus, because your promises ignite this incredible hope inside of us. This hope that we celebrate at Christmas time that Jesus came as a fulfillment of every promise. Lord Jesus, we thank you that we live in this hope even today, Lord God. And I pray that as people leave this place today, Lord God, that they would leave carrying the hope with them, that they would share this hope, Lord God, that they would hold unswervingly to this hope and that they would profess it, Lord Jesus, that they would know, Lord God, that their hope comes from the promises of a faithful God and that they would be diligent, that they would be obedient in sharing this hope that they have with others. We thank you, Jesus, for who you are and for what you have said to us, God. And we love you, Lord. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, you are so loved. Pastor Tim will be with us back next week to finish up this series, and we hope to see you there. God bless you.